creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast from Nesson.com's Mike Cole. Joined once again and as always by Logan Mullen and Lauren Campbell. Guys, a lot to get into. Most notably the trade deadline, so let's not uh, you know waste any time. Uh, we'll get right into it. Bruins, uh, we talked about this last week. Let's pick up where we were last week. Where we said, "What's it, you know, what are we going to be talking about when we reconvene again?" And I, since I'm a selfish person, forgot what you guys said. But I know I said we'd be kind of talking about you know a depth piece here and a depth piece there. I was wrong. The Bruins went out and traded for Taylor Hall. Um, that was big, and they also uh, and they you know added uh, on the back end with Mike Riley, and in that Taylor Hall deal, they got Curtis Lazar as well. So a lot to get into. Um, I guess we'll just go around the room, as they say. Uh, overall thoughts on what the Bruins were able to do, Lauren? Why don't you start it off? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was very impressed because I too said that we would not be talking about the Bruins acquiring a big name. So I certainly look like a fool for saying that, but wow. and. After, you know, one game, I'm, I like what I saw from Curtis Lazar and Mike Riley. I think Taylor Hall will be fine. Uh, sounds like Cassidy wants to keep him with Krejci, so it gives everyone a little bit of stability there. Um, and I think for, you know, what the Bruins gave up, I think it's a huge win for the Bruins all around. I really like these moves, and hopefully it kind of gives them that push to make it a little bit further into the playoffs this year. I try really hard not to be a victim of the moment, but when I was kind of – trying to build what the Bruins would look like after all of this happened. I thought, wow, there are very few holes on this roster now, which came not long after saying that, like, not that they were broken, but that there were a lot of roster holes. But I think part of it is you think about what this team could be if they're healthy, right? I At this point, I think they left everything down to just matters beyond their control, largely being health. If they are a largely injury-free team, which, again, they have not been often this year, but they are a largely injury-free team, it's like, you know, I think Mike Riley is a legitimate top four defenseman. I, I am very impressed with Mike Riley, what he's been able to do on an Ottawa team with very little high-end skill. Like, you know what Taylor Hall is going to be. They're not – or you think you know what Taylor Hall is going to be. They're not going to ask him to do – everything even if he's half of his usual form it's better than most of the people that have been playing on the wing for uh David Krejci the last few years and with Curtis Lazar he's just a really solid fourth line piece that they can put at center or right wing like with the way both Corrali and Wagner have played this year he's an upgrade over both of them uh so I think that they address a lot of roster holes and got better but I think the Riley deal might have been the best one of them all uh, in terms of value for cost I mean he he's not a seventh defenseman I thought they were going to pick up a seventh defenseman he is going to be he played what 22 minutes on Tuesday night like I think that's going to be the type of guy he'll be for the entire stretch run um Lauren your point I I wouldn't feel dumb because I I feel like they must have been close to like, if they didn't get Taylor Hall, I think it would have been, I mean, I guess it goes without saying it would have been a quiet deadline, but I, I think it was kind of like they were in on that. And if that didn't happen, then maybe they found something else before the deadline and they would have been in on one of those smaller moves. Um, but they kind of 
crossed off uh, or checked off a lot of boxes on the checklist late Sunday night. Um, Logan kind of stole my thunder as well. As well, the Riley deal I think is like the big one, I, <laughs> which is a wild thing to say when they go out and they you get Taylor Hall, but like I think I, I mentioned this in the thing that we wrote last week previewing the deadline, and I, I said you know the biggest issue for me or the biggest thing I want to see them do is go out and add guys who can you know either score or lead to more goals and I think Riley does that and I think you saw that already on Tuesday night where he's you know he's he finds open lanes which is something that they've had they've had problems doing from the blue line especially in terms of shooting lanes like I, he got pucks to net um it looks like a pretty good shot I was watching highlight videos of him the other day like fantastic outlet passes through the neutral zone like I think that's something where you're going to see that and I love that uh, in the three-on-three, three, they they put him with Taylor Hall and David Krejci. I love that threesome. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think there's going to be a lot of big – there's big play potential to, to kind of borrow a term from football. So uh, I like what he brings to the table. And, yeah, I, you know, I, the Taylor Hall deal was too good not to make and kind of take a chance on. Because, like, what's the worst that could happen? He comes in as a total punk, screws up everything, and you don't win the Stanley Cup. Well, you probably weren't going to win the Stanley Cup anyway. So – you might as well take a chance and, and go for it. So uh, I like that, that mentality that they went with. And I think it, you know, I think they went out and did a very good job finding three players who either address needs or bolster, you know, what they already have. And they didn't give up a whole lot to do it. No disrespect to Anders Bjork. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty efficient deadline for Don Sweeney. And I think that that's kind of the sweet spot that you're looking for when you're, trying to go you know trying to to be in the moment and, and help your team go on a run but also you know build with an eye toward the future and i do think i heard cassidy mention it twice and i think crazy might have even touched on it as well like i think there was a real strong feeling within that room that they needed help and i think they appreciate the fact that they got help like i like i said cassidy mentioned it both tuesday and then he mentioned it again wednesday after practice saying like this is, you know, it, it sends a message and, and, you know, guys in that room knew we kind of needed the secondary scoring and, and they went out and addressed that on, on both ends of the ice. So yeah, Logan, to your point too, like you look at the roster, assuming everybody's healthy, it, it is, it's, it's pretty good. Like you, you'll take your chances against anybody when you have Tuka Rask, but like, that's the thing, like, you know, that the cliche is you know, the biggest trade deadline pickup you make is getting so-and-so healthy. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I know Swayman's been fantastic, but like, you're getting a Vesna trophy goalie back at some point sooner than later too. So they're in a pretty good spot. It's up to them to kind of make it all count, but I think Sweeney did his job and, and has them ready for a stretch run. So I feel better about the Bruins now than I did a week ago. That's for sure. So I think it's hard not to, especially, I mean, Taylor Hall alone, just his name and what he hasn't had the best seasons the last few years, but you know, he is a heart trophy winner. He knows we know what he can do and I think being able to be on a contending team team that a team that is fighting for a playoff spot I think that'll do wonders for him and he said you know in his introductory press conference whatever you want to call it um he basically forced his way to Boston he wanted to be here he talked about coming here in the summer and he used his no trade clause to get himself to Boston he can explain it better than I can so why didn't he just take it you know he can talk about it in, in the summer, I, I can't, I can't really dive into it too, too much. Uh, you know, I, I was, I was ready to, I was ready to be a Bruin and just some other things kind of didn't work out. Um, but, you know, it was not like 
any hard feelings or anything like that. And once I knew that uh, there was a possibility that I would be traded, um, Boston was basically number one on, on a, on the list of teams that I wanted to go to. And um, Kevin, Kevin Adams here, uh, the GM was just fantastic in the way that he treated me and the way that he went about the situation, knowing that I wanted to, to play for a chance to win the Stanley cup. And um, he, he worked it out, you know, to a team that I really wanted to go to. And um, I'll always be thankful for uh, to him for that. Um, him as a hockey guy and as a person, I, I have a lot of respect for him. So, yeah, it, it sounds like I, and that's more into your point. Like maybe that's, if you're looking for a reason for optimism here with Taylor Hall and wanting this thing to work, if you're a Bruins fan, like, I think you have to feel good about the fact that he is at least saying the right things and sounds invested in being a Bruin and kind of buying into to not only what the Bruins do, but what they're going to want him to do. I think that's kind of a big thing too, is he's, he even talked about like a lack of confidence and he, you know, this is just a different situation for him. He's not coming to Boston to be the man he's coming to, to kind of be one of the guys. So I don't know, Logan, is that, does, does the fit work in your mind? I think the fit works. One of the things is that like Taylor Hall has never been a great defensive player. And I think the Bruins are going to have to get used to that. And my thing for a while has been the Bruins love signing guys that are two way forwards. Like, you know, you hear Cassie talk about the 200 foot player all the time. Like those are always the guys that get into the lineup. Taylor Hall kind of flies in the face of your typical Bruins star. Like the closest thing they have is David Posternock, who's improved defensively, but he's such a gifted goal scorer. He could be an abject liability on defense and they would still play him. But the thing is that the Bruins have gone so far in on like, we want good defensive players. We want good defensive players that all of a sudden you look in there, whatever, 25th in the league in five on five goals. So eventually you're going to have to sacrifice that a little bit for goals. So if Taylor Hall comes around and starts scoring, I think that the fit seems naturally makes too much sense with David Krejci. It makes too much sense having Craig Smith on that line too. So in terms of the on-paper fit, I get it. Now, with the confidence thing, I go back and forth on that because I don't know what Taylor Hall was expecting when he signed with Buffalo. Like, if he had gotten traded to Buffalo or was still stuck in New Jersey, that would be one thing where it's like, I didn't sign up to be on a bad team. But he, he literally signed up to be on a bad team this year. Like, I think some people didn't think it was going to be this bad with the Sabres. That would have been a tough thing foresee especially with Eichel getting hurt but the writing was kind of on the wall that Buffalo wasn't going to be a great team so I hope for his sake that the confidence thing there is credence to and that playing for Boston and playing for a team that he actually wants to be on uh, you know ends up panning out for him and getting him to rebound a little bit closer to the Hart Trophy form of a few years in the past but at the same time, it's like, you know, he, he did get a fresh start in Buffalo and it did not go as well as it could have. So and I go back and forth a little bit. But in terms of the natural fit, it, it makes a ton of sense. Lauren? Yeah, um, I think Logan nailed it. That it's just, it's, an, it's a natural fit. And I said, you know, I said that because he was on not great teams, maybe that's why he could never reach his potential. But you know, I don't think, I don't think he went to Buffalo to win. If he did, then that's cause for concern there for sure. But, you know, he definitely adds 
stability. I've been saying that for Krejci. I know he's been playing on his left side, but maybe this is the door to open Craig Smith to play on the right. And then that kind of, that line just kind of sticks. So this could be a more versatile move than just getting secondary scoring and getting that top six winger that they definitely needed. This also could provide that stability that Krejci has needed for so long. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, we saw it on Tuesday night, right? Like the, the Krejci Smith hall line looked like, you know, shades of Krejci Horton Lucic, obviously a different style of play, but it felt like they were generating opportunities. I think a lot of that was more, yeah, maybe Smith is like the, the big winner out of this entire thing where it's, there's going to be so much more attention, so much more ice, you know, taken to and paid to, you know, Taylor Hall that like it opens things up for Smith. And like the great thing about I, the thing I like most about that line is that it gives crazy options on each side. And like, you know, it's, he can play off of Hall's speed where, you know, and quickness where I think Hall might get to, spots of the ice faster than the defenseman can. And, and Krejci going to find that, whether it's, you know, back door, even like a no look type of deal. At the same time, if you start shading too much over to that side and trying to take away Hall, he can get the puck to Smith and Smith's shot, as we saw, we were reminded again Tuesday night, is really good. So I think there's a, a dynamic uh, element there that is something that a guy like Krejci plays well off of. And again, I think that's the more exciting thing maybe in this entire that move is that you kind of revitalize Krejci. And if that gets him going, then you're a much, much better team. Um, yeah. I, and, and with, with the, uh, the off season stuff, I would love to get some truth serum in somebody and try to figure out what happened there in terms of like, you know, Hall clearly thought he had a deal in Boston, but he wouldn't want to get into any more of it. And so there's something, there's a missing piece there. I I'm guessing it's money. If I was, well, so I'm not sure if you saw the Elliot Friedman, I don't know if it was a report, but he basically said on his podcast that his understanding was the Bruins and Hall wanted to get something done, but the Bruins were going to have to move money out because at that point they didn't know what was happening with crew and they didn't know what was happening in particular with Chara. Um, that and, makes a lot of sense considering what the way Hall was talking about it on Tuesday too. Right. And cause they weren't getting Hall for 8 million back in October. And so I think it just fell through and the way Freeman Friedman made it sound was that Hall just didn't want to wait. He wanted to know where he's playing, which I guess I understand to a degree at the same time. It's like, if, if you're telling me I'm going to Detroit or Tampa, I'm, I'm probably going to wait a few extra days and go to the really good team. But that was how he made it sound that the Bruins were going to have to move money out and it just wasn't going to happen. You could argue that this actually worked out for the better for the Bruins. They're they're spending way less money. I mean, Taylor Hall just had to spend three winter months in Buffalo on an awful Sabres team. Honestly, you know, I think it, you know, it puts them in a better spot to re-sign him if they want to. Mm -hmm. Like his value is going to be down. If it works out for both sides, maybe he's more likely to take, less money i think he he mentioned it himself like i want to you know i'm maybe be in boston for a few more years like three years 18 million let's make that happen you know who says no like you know what i mean you're not i don't think you're gonna have to pay that like he got his money this year and then maybe he goes for a little more stability for the next few years and then kind of comes out of that and figures out where the landscape is in three years i don't know it's 
at least both sides will be pretty familiar with each other but by the end of this thing and that was something that friedman actually wrote in 31 thoughts is that there's already some feeling that this could be a longer than a rental type of deal so it'd be interesting well the bruins have a ton of cap space coming up right so i think like the Krejci deals up tuka's deals up uh, uh hall will be an unrestricted free agent like that's not to say any of those guys necessarily are leaving, but how many of them are getting pay raises, right? Like as good as Rask has been, as good as Krejci has been, they're both in their mid thirties. They're probably not making more money. So I think that there is room for them to get a little bit creative. They're going to lose somebody to Seattle. So there will be cap space coming from all sorts of directions. Well, and then the Seattle thing too, is another reason why I think you have to like the deal, like the trade contract, because you're going to have to start sacrificing guys at some point. So you might as well turn it into an asset that you can use now and then kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. And, you know, I'd much rather be having to make a difficult decision when I have a former number one pick and an MVP in the fold. than like, again, no disrespect, expect Anders Bjork. Like we'll make that decision a hundred times out of a hundred. Like if it's going to get us a player like that for a stretch run and it's just one fewer, you know, piece that you have to worry about one fewer what an idiot um what were you gonna say logan it feels like you're about to well i was just gonna say i think we should talk about bjork for a second because this is like the (laughs) last thing i want to do i know lauren you guys i'm gonna go like check on my dog or something you guys can sit here yeah say hi to winston for us and uh we'll be back in a few minutes but i mean Anders bjork did everything the bruins asked him to do he just he could never score and he basically became redundant right he became the same thing. He became store brand Jake DeBrus, and he was always going to be the 13th forward, and there was no sh- conceivable shot for him to get playing time. But he got stronger. He became a significantly better defensive player, and so you really can't fault him. And the fact that they only had – he was perhaps the best overall value trade chip they had in terms of somebody that other teams would want and – wasn't really giving the Bruins too much of a you know tangible impact. And I think it was the best possible use of that trade asset. Uh, and, and it is a clear, like, works for both sides. Like, I was a little disturbed with how excited Bjork seemed to be going to Buffalo. But I think he recognized that for the purpose of rejuvenating his career, playing on a line with two very exciting prospects for Buffalo and Cousins and the Finnish kid whose last name I can't pronounce – um Ruo Stalinen or whatever it is but I don't know he, this is a good opportunity for him even if I don't know it, it's gonna suck in terms of the win losses yeah and I think too that he's getting the opportunity he's getting playing time like he's going to get that playing time where he was scratched for five straight games here he was like you said he's the 13th forward he was kind of the sacrifice to be made if they needed to scratch a forward but he did everything Bruce Cassidy asked of him. He, like you said, he just couldn't finish. And we saw that last night on Tuesday. Night. Say, he looked great in his debut, too. Was that great? He was going to end in overtime. Oh. Classic Bjork. That, yeah, that was a little too poetic how that yeah. ended up panning out. I had the game on his stick in overtime. And so I mean, glass in Buffalo is about to get a workout. But. <laughs> so I think, I mean, obviously, I, I loved Anders Bjork, but it was. I would do that trade 10 times over again. And this is a really good start or fresh start for Bjork too, to kind of show that he can be what he was always thought to be before shoulder surgeries. And if this opens up more opportunities for him, then I'm all for it. 
I uh, I think they the the Bruins have found a relative sweet spot here, and I I think this underscores the importance of drafting and developing. And if you're not going to hit on draft picks that turn into legitimate NHL stars or whatever, at least get them to a point where they can show improvement and show some sort of potential for other teams that you can turn them into trade chips. Where it's like, I know it's apples and oranges, but you look at baseball and you look at what the Dodgers have done in terms of building up their farm system for the last five to 10 years. And that allows them to, when they need a piece to kind of augment their roster, they can go out and trade a guy who's blocked or who is not going to get enough playing time. Um, and they can turn that into a star that they can afford. And, you know, then it kind of fits a need and they, then they're off. It's a little bit different than the NHL because of the salary cap and just, you know, the general nature of those two sports. But I do think there is value in, in an Anders Bjork and a Danton Heinen and, you know, players like that who maybe are never going to be great top six options for you, but they present, you know, some value. I think that Bruins, the Bruins have that, you know, with their defensive pieces as well. I think you know, the next year or two, you're going to kind of see who can sing and who can swim, but I'm not going to totally give up on a guy who looks terrible because there's a chance they could bring him along and flip him for something else down the road. I think that's a, a key component for a good team that expects to contend every year. So there is value in that too, I guess. I think I thought Bjork was going to be a Seattle guy. Um, yeah. That's the exact type of team guy, a franchise an expansion team goes after. Like that's, you know, I'm not saying Anders Bjork's going to be the next Riley Smith or Jonathan Marcheseau, but those guys were kind of tossed aside forwards who hadn't worked out with, you know, in Marcheseau's case, it was a couple teams, same thing with Smith, but like you take a chance on those guys on cheap deals and, you know, the, as they say, high floor, high upside types. And I don't know the Bruins kind of lost that opportunity, but you don't always build your roster looking at expansion drafts. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we can get in, like we kind of touched on Lazar and, and Riley. I, like I said, I think Riley is, if they go on a deep playoff run, that's going to be something to kind of look back on and be like, oh, that was a great deal. Like that was, you know, that guy really kind of took them to a new level. I think the other thing with the, the additions of Riley and Lazar is, and Cassie kind of talked about this. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Um, a little internal pressure. A little competition now too, and I I don't think that ever hurts. Not that they needed a, a kick in the ass like that necessarily, but like, yeah, you can never have too many good players, and especially on that that back end right now with the lack of depth that they have. I think bringing in Riley's a it's a body, but b Logan to your point, if that guy can contend to be a top four player, like that really changes your depth chart and really puts you in a much better spot. Like they they got a lot deeper with the, those two moves. A healthy Bruins team that's going to have – I think they'll put Riley with Carlo if Carlo's healthy. And then you have Grizzlick with McAvoy. So that means for your final two spots, it's going to be Jeremy Lozon and Kevin Miller with probably Zaboral, Tenorti, and Camphor on the outside, right? Am I missing anyone? That's like three legitimate NHL caliber. Well, Tenorti's, you know, a 4A guy, if you will. Tenorti's been good, by the way. Tenorti, Tenorti has been good. He got, you know, for a guy that got put on waivers from a very, very bad Nashville yeah. team, uh, he's been useful for what they needed him to be. Um, but but that's the thing. Jared Tenorti is a lot more palatable to you if he's a plug-and-play exactly. guy instead of like, well, you know, we have to put Jared Tenorti with Charlie McAvoy. Like, that, that's a little bit different. But 
Yeah, that's how you end up losing eight to one. That is exactly how you end up losing eight to one. And so, I, you know, they're about to have a lot of depth down there. Again, predicated on the health, but there's reason for optimism there. It's a good problem to have if they're all healthy. Like that is very good problem to have. And the thing is, they're not going to all be healthy. Like, absolutely not. We're, we're going to be having a conversation in three weeks when the playoffs are about to start and it's go, who takes Matt Grizzlick's minutes or who takes Brandon, you know, whoever it's going to be. Or there's, there are going to be injuries that happens and there's going to be injuries in May and there's going to be injuries in June. If they're lucky to be playing that deep, that's where you, you know, you kind of hope the depth comes through. Um, quick around the league type of deal. Logan, you kind of mentioned this, so why don't you kick it off? One deal you liked, one deal you didn't like. Uh, both involved the Maple Leafs. I thought the Riley Nash deal was awesome. That was a very smart deal by the Maple Leafs. Not going to take up any cap space because he's hurt. And they're going to get him back most likely in time for the playoffs. He's killed them a few times in the postseason at one point with the Bruins. Um, and they gave up a seventh, right? I think it was like a conditional seventh or something like that. Um, so they gave up basically nothing for a solid middle six uh, center. I guess he'd probably be playing bottom six for them. Uh, and at the same time, the deal I hated was the Nick Foligno one. I have no clue why they didn't wait that market out a little bit and not have to give up a first-round pick. Like, the deal – the Bruins made that deal look dumber. Exactly. I was going to say. The Bruins getting Taylor Hall for a for a 13 forward and a second-round pick and also getting a legitimate, you know, fourth-line center makes the – makes Kyle Dubas look like a big old goofball for giving up a first round pick for a forward, they're probably going to healthy scratch and uh, Nick Bellino. Lauren, do you have any takes or uh, trades you liked or disliked? Yeah. I mean, obviously I liked what the Islanders did and adding Kyle Palmieri, but I also liked what the Blue Jackets did. Um, they did trade Savard. I thought he maybe come, might come to Boston, but that obviously didn't happen, but they have a crap ton of draft picks now. So they can either, you know, package those to get some legitimate skater next season, or they can kind of build for their future. So I really, really like what they did there. They got an absolute haul for everything yeah. that they did. Like the Blue Jackets have kicked the can down the road on rebuilding. And they finally said that they were going to, and, and Yarmo went nuts. Like yeah. they had a really good week. Yeah, they they did a really good job of maximizing assets and kind of taking advantage of the market. And yeah, you know, that's you, you believe in Yarmo, so like that's a you, you feel good when they feel like winners if you're a Blue Jackets fan because you know they they're gonna they're gonna spend their assets wisely and make the most of what they have. So well, they can draft because nobody wants to come there in free agency. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I like the Capitals Red Wings deal. I got the buzzer. Uh. That deal made no sense. <laughs> Why did it make no sense? I, it seemed like such a useless deal. Like, Mantha has not been good. Well, that's but the thing. I, I like it a lot for the Red Wings. Like, I think the Red Wings might as well just, you know, yes. they're not going to fire Eisenman. Like, Eisenman has all the rope in the world. So, like, trade everything you have and just completely tear it down. And the yeah. fact that they got two NHL players plus a first and a second is, that is that's great. And, you know. If you're the Capitals, why not make a move and try to go for it? So I well, and they were healthy scratching Pontiac, right? Like think, that was just a cap dump move, and now he's probably going to be playing like 25 minutes a night for the Red Wings. And so, what is he? I have no idea what he has left on his deal, but like, 
if he's got more, is he, I don't know if he's a UFA or not, but if he's not a UFA, like maybe they turn him around and flip him in the off season. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's, yeah. I just, my thing is like, I guess they've given up on Manta, right? Like he had a really weird run in Detroit where he should have been better than he was. And so I guess it's just like change of scenery. They obviously didn't see him being part of their future. But to me, that deal says we don't think we're anywhere close to where we need to be. That's fine though. Like, cause he's, he's I, I guess so. But how do you say that? They're a team with a very rabid fan base. Like, how do you sell that to a fan base that's already dealt with two or three years with that team being absolute crap? And because now it's like the guy, because the guy making the decisions is a guy who's beloved and who's tracked. And a track record is very, very good. Yeah. Richard Pontiac signed through 2023. So there you go. At, at 2.75 million. He's got a John Moore. He's right there with John Moore. I like this deal even more. They can trade him again next trade deadline and get a first rounder. Maybe he goes to Seattle. There you go. Or they get him to take like Danny DeKaiser. Right. Lots going on. Um, and Checkers, I just, chess, yada, yada. If I was a Sabres fan, I'd be ready. I'd just quit hockey. Like I'm done with it. Like that's. I know that they the hall hall leverage them, but like, it's just a bummer. <laughs> Some Sabers fan tweeted at me that people he knew were more pissed that they traded Lazar than they were Hall, which I can actually I mean, kind of see after one game of watching Lazar with the Bruins and being like, "Well, if you knew Hall was leaving anyways, well, that's like, <laughs> they they had, yeah. were under basically no one no obligation to get rid of Curtis Lazar, but they did." I also think too they the Bruins trade kind of maybe tip their hand about the expansion draft when you go out and trade for a guy who's got term I don't know, maybe something to keep in mind as well uh, okay. see i think that says more about corrali what do you mean well corrali is a pending unrestricted free agent and right. and curse lazar is a cheaper sean corrali right so if he's yeah. going to be centering the fourth line i think that shows that especially if they think if they have wagner signed and if they think frederick's the future um then you're probably looking at that fourth line right there yeah. um, saying goodbye to Sean Corrales. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We're not even in that town yet. So, um, Sean Corrales would be a great blue jacket. You know, going home, right? Yeah, I know that people say that about Boston. Why not say that about <laughs> where's he from? Dublin, Ohio. Yeah. He grew up uh, going to blue jackets games, I guess. I don't know. Um, I have nothing else. You guys got anything else? No. no. We want to do more Sean Corrales talk. No, I, <laughs> done on Corrales, done on Bjork. I think it's time to, to get out of here. Cashing our chips while we still can. Um, yeah. but So I guess maybe next week we'll kind of start looking ahead to stretch run here because the Bruins, I think, have 13 games left as of this recording. So it's about to get hot and heavy. Um NHL stretch run. Yeah, catch the fever. Uh, for Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. This has been Nessa Bruins Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'll see you again next week.